Welcome to Factor Magri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. Over the next four weeks on Factor Magri, I'm taking a look at catchment groups as they could very well hold the keys to ensuring farmers and rural communities continue to thrive. In this first part, I catch up with Tom Orcheston, the South Island Environment Capability Manager at Beef Plus Lamb, on why catchment groups play such an important role not only for farmers, but rural communities as a whole. Tom joins me now. Hello Tom, thank you for joining me today. Great, thanks for having me along Angus. Tom, please tell me about the work that you do. Yeah, so, so I work um, with Beef and, Lamb, Beef and Lamb New Zealand and the environment team. Uh, so I'm, I work in the, in the South Island, so I'm the South Island Environment Capability Manager. I'm based down in Dunedin, and so there's a whole range of kind of work that, work that I'm involved in, um, from catchment groups, uh, farm planning, uh, winter grazing, um, creating various farm reser- resources, interpreting research, and policy messages um, and sort of interpreting those for farmers. So there's a, there's a whole range of uh, things, things that I'm involved in. Mm, indeed. So catchment groups, what exactly is a catchment group? Yeah, okay. Um, so, so catchment groups are really, really important to, to, to beef and lamb. And this sort of goes right back to, you know, the, the, the beef and lamb strategy. And um, we talk about, um, you know, thriving, thriving rural communities. So, with, with within that, um, catchment catchment community groups have been identified as a really important uh, way that we can kind of help work towards that that overall vision. And mm. also, uh, you know, it's really it's a really great thing for for farmers. Um, so, in terms of what actually is a catchment group, well, th- there's a, there's a whole lot of different uh, different things that catchment groups could be. But but the general themes that kind of come through is generally they're sort of uh, people that are that are working and working together, um, and they're usually in a sort of geographical e- area, um, and that's often centered around maybe a right lake or a river. Um, and, and but these people all sort of connect socially within that um, within that rural catchment. And so, you know, there's there's a whole range of reasons why why community catchment community groups might form. But basically, they've got a common goal that they're sort of working towards. Um, you know, having those thriving communities, a healthy environment. Um, and they're both basically looking to sort of uh, improve a range of um, a range of things within their within their communities and within their catchments. Um, it might be things like water quality or biodiversity, um, but it can also be things such as you know looking for commercial opportunities or even just maybe connecting socially. So there's a, there's really a whole range of things that catchment groups are. Yeah, sure. And why is Beef and Lamb getting behind them? Are they born out of policy pressure? Or do you think the farmer and the wider community today actually wants to make the environment better in which they live and work? Yeah, hey, look, there's 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 a whole range of reasons um, why they form. But, uh, you know, a lot of the groups we see and that, that Beef and Lamb works with are, are wanting to wanting to connect together with with other people in there within their area within their catchment group um to to basically to make improvements um and 
and make that change, that the, the changes that are needed. Sometimes it might be things that are, um, need change on farm. Um, other times groups have come together because there has been some uh, some indication and, and oftentimes it might be from the regional council or from, from other other bodies that might indicate that, hey, look, there's, there's something to focus on. There might be, there might be some sort of issue and, and quite often it might be around that water quality. So bringing mm. those those farmers together. So so sometimes there is a policy pressure, which will um, which might be a bit of a driver, but oftentimes there's not that pressure. And it's just basically some of the community and, and oftentimes there'll be one or two um, sort of leading um, leading people within that community, often they're, often they're farmers, um, that want to bring the group together um, to, to work collectively on um, on how to make improvements and how to make changes uh, within their catchment. So there is a community and a social element to these groups, uh, essentially bringing whole communities together and to essentially have outcomes which are determined by each catchment group. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's there's, there's no one um, there's no one right recipe for 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 a, for a catchment group. There's um, and and I think. Uh, it's just very important that, that the community themselves uh, make sure that they're identifying what are the priorities for them, um, rather than being um, rather than being led or told too strongly. And whether that's by regulators or industry bodies or whoever, uh, it's, it's very very important that the that the community led and working towards the thing that, that the, the farmers and the land owner, owners and um, various other stakeholders working collectively together to, to work um, for, you know, building building a better future and, and engaging with one another um, and, and looking looking to the future. Um, sometimes there's, there's other parts of this that, that, you know, might be about improving profitability as well. Um, mm. there's, there's, there's quite a few groups that have got an aspect of um, or, or investigating opportunities to actually create their own brand for a particular area so they can, you know, potentially look at creating a, their own brand or a stamp that they put on it and say it's made in, made in the, you know, whichever catchment they're in um, to help um, to help create that extra value as well. But look, there's, 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 no, there's no one recipe, as I said, um, mm. and it's very much about being driven by, by the people within that community um, and mm. the issues that are specific to them. Mm. Is there a formal governance structure for these catchment groups or is that up to the individual group, wherever that might be? Yep. Look again. There's, there's there's no one right way or wrong way. Um, we we work with a whole range of catchment groups. Uh, some of them um, have have highly detailed um, documents um, about you know w- whether they can be incorporated societies or charitable trusts, uh, whether they set up as a business entity. Um, but there's also a lot of catchment groups that we work work with that are completely informal structures. Um, they don't have any particular um, structure or documentation, and, and and it's very basic form. Look, it's 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 a few people that get together uh, once in a while, and they might have a bit of a chat about various things. They might go out and do some visits to to farms or or waterways or rivers. They might have some projects that they that they work collectively on, but without having that formal structure. Having said that, the groups that have that formal structure 
um, there's definitely some advantages to them that if they do have that formalised structure, um, they can then be in a position where they're able to um, to accept funding from you know from funding bodies, or if they want yep. to make applications for funding, then that's that that can be an, an easier mechanism for some of them to be able to get that funding and to tap into some of those bigger funds, whether that's from uh, from regional funds or central government or or other um, other you know other stakeholders can provide that in, and oftentimes it will be easier um, to fund a, a formal uh, entity rather than informal but having said that there are there are several um, several ways to kind of get around that sometimes we have we find that catchment groups will have um, other organizations that they're um, aligned with or affiliated to that can act mm. as almost like a an umbrella if you will um, to enact to collect and, and take in some of those um, Th those funds or, or applications or whatnot, um, and then maybe able to um, to pass them on to the, mm. the smaller catchment groups. Mm. It is it, it can be a lot of work to set up that um, that formal structure. So it's something that the um, that the catchment group themselves need to think carefully about. Um, and there's other there's other sort of certain things. If you have if you do go down the route of having a formal structure, you then sort of um, you can be locked into making sure that you're following through certain processes and protocols to make sure that you know um, everything's running above board and as it should be um, and transparent for for you know people to to look into and for some groups the bigger groups yep def definitely that's possible for some of the smaller groups uh, they may not necessarily have some of those skills that are needed or potentially maybe they just haven't got the time or resources so look there's no there's no one uh, there's no one right way or wrong way it's just having those conversations as a group um, and seeing where they want to progress to in the future and hey look there's there's no reason that you can't change from one structure to another if you started off and as an informal group there's nothing to say that a year or two down the track you can investigate into into going down a more formalized option mm. how many operating throughout the country how many catchment groups? Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's that's a really good question. It's um, there's there's look there's there's easily over a hundred groups wow. throughout the country. In terms of um, in terms of actually pinning down all all the groups, um, th there are there are some groups that are definitely in the catchment group um, camp, and there are some other groups that sort of might broadly fit under some of those definitions. But um, they might be doing some other things that that may sort of fall fall outside of scope. So um, there's no, and as I said, look, there's no one right way or wrong way. Um, so it'd be very much up to you know the catchment groups to sort of define if, if they are a catchment group or not. Um, mm. And some some of the, some other groups will have you know they might be um, they might be trusts or planting trusts or sometimes there's you know various iwi groups. Uh, there's other other groups that may focus on you know one part of uh, the things that catchment groups do but not necessarily all of them so look there's the, the, I, I haven't got a firm number for you but it's it's definitely well over 100 throughout the whole country and, and especially in the last few years look we've mm. seen seen many many groups um pop up and, and and beef and lamb and other other industry organizations have been working to um to help those groups set up and so in the last few years yeah there's been a, a real flurry of activity and new catchment groups um setting up which is which is really great you know it's 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 good to see um that that farmers and community members and other stakeholders are, are really seeing value and and working collectively together absolutely I couldn't agree more. Um, are there specific outcomes or indeed measurables catchment groups are trying to achieve? And do these catchment groups hold any weight in terms of shaping 
or developing policy, particularly around water quality? Yeah, okay. Look, there's there's a, there's a couple of parts to that, and, and and really good question. In terms of what the what the groups are trying to achieve. Look, there's there's a whole range of things that that groups are trying to achieve. It might be it might be about changing um, farm practices. It might be about water, um, freshwater health. It might be about biodiversity. Um, it might be around soil. Sometimes it's 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 all of these things that one group might be focusing on. Um, and there's no there's no one single thing that catchment groups. Um, have to focus on or can focus on it's, it's very much again as I was saying before it very much has to be sort of driven by the community and the people that are members of these catchment groups and um, but but something you know some of those key themes are, 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 are themes that will come through and a lot of the mm. catchment groups oftentimes it'll be around the the um, freshwater health or the water quality um, and creating you know more sustainable farming operations while the farmers are remaining profitable um, and creating those thriving healthy communities um, and if they can also take into account um, you know the, the the well-being of the community but also the well-being of, of individuals without that and uh, within that um within that catchment mm. and so by by looking out for others you know there's a whole lot a whole lot of things going on for farmers um, a lot of regulatory stuff coming at them so by having that sort of well-being aspect of it well which which a lot of a lot of catchment groups will have that in there it's a way of looking out for looking out for one another in terms of yeah sorry in terms of how that relates into developing policy and so on around water quality and, and freshwater freshwater health. There are there are a number of groups that will be working very closely with their with their regional councils and, mm. and with government and that's and that's fine. That's great. There are other groups that are that are kind of doing their own thing. Um, a lot of the regional plans will want input from uh, from community and so catchment groups are a great way. Uh, to start capturing some of that, um, some of that community feel. I would sort of add to that, however, that uh, community groups and these catchment groups, um, they need to make sure that they're sort of uh, representing, you know, representing the views of the wider catchment rather than some of the key focus focus areas within that. So, you know, mm. as long as they're sort of representing their members and the members' views, um, that's great. Obviously, there's going to be a whole range of views within within any um, with any group of people, uh, let alone catchment groups. Um, so there will be a range of views, and it's just about making sure that um, that those views are adequately uh, represented and mm. to show that sort of diversity of views that are there. But I mean, you know, I, I, I know. Um, by beef and lamb being involved uh, within these with these community uh, catchment groups, that um, you know, and we fully encourage you know farmers to get involved into these catchment groups because it is a great way to make sure that their farming voices are heard. Mm, indeed, I would argue that you would struggle to find a more sustainable food producing nation than New Zealand. How does a government get the balance right, in your view, in terms of setting policy to improve practices? and further improve the environment and also ensuring the primary industry remains profitable because a lot of these changes coming to farmers will increase input costs and potentially reduce production. Yeah, okay. So look, um, there's, there's, there's quite a lot to that, but you know, by, by a lot of catchment groups will have... Um, you know, have have quite a number of farmers, and sometimes they're they're farmer led. Sometimes they might be uh, mainly made up of farmers, and and that's and that's okay. Um, we would sort of, um, 
you know, we, we, we encourage, you know, catchment groups to, to reflect the diversity within their communities and mm. encourage other, other, um, other members of the community to become involved within that overall catchment um, so that their views can be represented as well. Um, you're right, look, New Zealanders, um, by and large, um, you know, a really sustainable food producing nation. And I, I think at the heart of that, you know, by keeping farmers profitable and sustainable, um, but if they can always, you know, farmers and catchment groups can be looking for ways to improve. And there's always things that tweaks to systems and, and changes that can be made on farm and within catchments um, that they can improve and become become um, become better, um, farm mm. better. And, you know, taking into account things like um, greenhouse gases and lower emissions, uh, fresh water, you know, animal welfare. Um, if they can, and these are these are often things that consumers, so the 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 buyers of the end product, whether that's um, you know whatever farmers might be producing, meat or wool or um, dairy products, um, by by making sure that their farmers and catchment groups stay in touch with um, you know who the who the consumers are um, of their products and being able to deliver on that being able to deliver those really top quality products that new zealand produces and produce and that they're produced in that sort of ethical and sustainable way to keep um to keep you know to keep consumers mm. um assured of uh the quality um and the sustainability and the history of the products do you think at some point uh, in terms of sustainability, in the future, a consumer is going to be able to choose a product from, I don't know, let's pick a place like Southland, for example. And Southland can say our environment is, let's call it an A-class environment, or the food produced here is as good as anywhere in the world, or certainly as good as New Zealand can produce. And of course, catchment groups will be a part of that in terms of water quality and a whole range of other things. Do you think we'll ever get to a traceability level like that? Um, I yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think um, I look. I mean, I know already there's there's various programs that will uh, that are offered um, for farmers, um, and there are some that where um, you know the particular product, whether that's meat or whatever it is, will actually have um, have a farm name or number tag to that, um, with the idea that um, when that product is served up um, overseas or wherever it might be served that they there'll be some sort of code or a QR code or something like that mm. where um, the consumer can actually sit there with their phone in a restaurant um, either either put in the QR code or push in a number and actually be taken to um, to the farm you know some some pictures of where that where, where that product was mm. produced um, and have some pictures of the farm and a bit of background by that um, I think there is it's probably early days yet but there, that's that's definitely that's um, something that some of the processes uh, are looking to for that mm. traceability mm. and you know um, with even within um, as part of that as well there's a lot of the assurance programs that will look at um, the aspects of animal welfare and sustainability and recycling and um, those types of aspects and so a really key way of underpinning all that information is by farmers having a farm plan and, and beef and lambs yep. are very encouraging of, of farmers to have that farm plan to provide um, to provide a 
a guide for farmers of how they're going to farm, um, but also to provide some evidence, an evidence base uh, for for the markets, for the consumers to say how how a particular product has been produced. Um, and so that farm planning goes a long way of underpinning in, underpinning that. And so yeah, beef and lamb has a has a farm. Um, as a, as a farm plan program to, to deliver on that environmental aspect of um, of that for farmers and there's various templates that uh, that farmers can go in and workshops that farmers can go to and use um, and that will also go for you know there's farm assurance programs and farm assurance program plus um, that provide that sort of evidence base um, to help you know to help consumers be assured of uh, where their products come from and how it's been farmed and raised. That all is really, really interesting. And I guess if we're asking our farmers to essentially improve their practices and we're asking a whole number of things, and of course, all these things, as I mentioned earlier, increase input costs on farms. The cost of production will, in my view, go up. So improving um, sustainability or improving the environmental footprint of New Zealand farmers, we should be in a position at some point to be able to ask, or there should be a paradigm shift in what our products are being paid for in the international market, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And so yeah, there's, there's definitely uh, an increasing number of uh, costs that farmers are having to face, and some of those are regulatory and some of them are driven by the markets and so on. Uh, at the same time, you know, there's there's always this pressure to to reduce costs on farms, um, and, and so you know, reduce the cost for the for the end um, the end consumer. So there's there, there's always that tension between those two things. And and mm. look, I, I I'm I'm a big big um, a big believer in uh, making sure that there's um, that there's some reward uh, and incentive for farmers to make make these changes. There's often a lot of uh, rewards, and there'll be that social uh, that social license that they will get um, from uh, from farming sustainably and farming well, uh, making sure that their animals are looked after well. There's always going to be that social license from people within New Zealand mm. um, when you know so much of uh, the product. Uh, created or, or, or raised in New Zealand is is exported and uh, making sure that we've got that really high quality product and, and telling the story that the, the big part of all this is being able to tell that story behind where a product whether that's meat or wool or uh, a dairy product or whatever it might be mm. being able to tell that story behind that how it's been produced uh, is it goes a long way to to helping you know, consumers make that choice when they're when they're faced with that choice. Um, mm. You know, and, and being able to being able to tell that story and provide that evidence base, and whether that's from farm plans or, or some some form of farm assurance, that goes a long way to being able to um, to ask for that little extra bit um, for um, or that extra bit that that may help farmers in the long run to mm. continue on making their changes and continue uh, farming in a sustainable a sustainable way uh, and I think you know it's it's, it's, it's a, a difficult question to to answer but um, look I, I, I think those conversations are definitely happening at that sort of process level as well and making sure that um, there's some form of um, uh, that the farmers are adequately and appropriately rewarded for changes that they are making on their farms. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're talking about environmental sustainability, but we also need business sustainability too, don't we? So the two have to go hand in hand. For the, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you're a busy man. So 
I'll let you get on. Thank you very much for your time today, Tom. No, hey, I really appreciate being able to talk to you, Angus. And um, yeah, we'll catch you next time. New Zealand needs to tell its story better. And being able to measure just how efficiently we produce food for export and being able to trace that back to a sub-region or farm has to be the end goal for the red meat sector in this country. Being able to tell that story behind the product goes a long way to helping consumers make that choice when they are faced with a choice. And being able to provide the evidence, and whether that's through farm plans or some form of farm assurance, that goes a long way to achieving that paradigm shift in farm gate returns that farmers in this country deserve and now need. And catchment groups can, in my view, play a significant role in this process. Well, that's all for me this week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time.